Heavenly Father, we thank you that though we are weak, the Lord Jesus is strong. Help us today to see his strength working for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. wonder have you ever found yourself in the position where people don't get what you're doing. You do something, perhaps uh, you help someone, uh, but the people watching on assume the worst. They reckon that your motives are wrong, or they get the wrong end of the stick, and they only see uh, the negative in your actions. When we live for Jesus, we find that sometimes uh, people don't like us living for Jesus. They start uh, to oppose you when you're only trying to help and, and do uh, your best for other people. And you might wonder why that is. Why do people see evil motives when you're trying to do good? Why do the knives come out when you're seeking to follow Jesus? This morning's reading in uh, Luke chapter 11 uh, on page 69 uh, of the Bible helps us to see that you're not alone in those situations. You see, the Lord himself was misunderstood. He uh, was thought the worst of. He uh, was spoken evil of. But through it all, uh, we discover another aspect of who Jesus is. We see uh, who Jesus is more clearly. We see uh, today that he is the stronger, something greater saviour. And the trigger uh, is something straightforward. Out of one verse, verse 14, a simple driving out of a demon. So that a man who was mute could now speak. And out of that one verse comes the rest of the passage, all the opposition. You see, the exorcism displays Jesus' power. This man couldn't speak. He wasn't able to sing. He couldn't answer the phone. He couldn't uh, say goodnight to his family or anything else. But Jesus drove out the demon that was afflicting him. The man could speak. The crowd was amazed. We see Jesus' power over the demons. But not everyone was happy. In verses uh, 16 and 17, sorry, 15 and 16, uh, we see uh, two responses to the miracle. It says uh, in verse 15, But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others to test him kept demanding from him a sign from heaven. We look at each of them. Uh, in turn. <clears throat> so first up then. At verse 15. They say. Uh, some of them say. He casts out demons by Beelzebub. The ruler 
of the demons. This is the excuse that denies Jesus' power. It seems that they were muttering among themselves, but Jesus knows what's going on, what they're thinking. Is Jesus really on the devil's side? Is he working for his boss, Satan? Is that how he can move around the demons, like some kind of demonic middle manager? Maybe you've met one of those in your time. But that's just silly. You see, the man was made better by Jesus. He was given deliverance by Jesus. And as Jesus says, every kingdom divided against itself becomes a desert. A football team where the players tackle each other isn't going to win any games. If Jesus is working for Satan and working against Satan, then Satan's kingdom won't stand. So that's not what's happening. We need another explanation for where Jesus gets his power. So look at verse 20 uh, over the page. Jesus says, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out the demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Way back in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. God heard their cry and sent Moses to rescue the people. He sent at the ten plagues on Egypt, water turning to blood, Frogs, gnats, flies, the plague on livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. And after the first couple, uh, the magicians of Egypt were able to do the very same thing. So Moses had made uh, the water turn into blood. And the magicians of Egypt were able to do the same. Although if your water had turned to blood, you'd think you'd want it turned back into water rather than having more blood around the place. But after the third one, in Exodus 8 and verse 19, these magicians, they say, this is the finger of God. They realize that they can't manufacture these miracles anymore. They see that they're really fighting against God. This is the finger of God. This is God's power, God's doing. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He wouldn't relent. He wouldn't listen. He wouldn't give in. When Jesus says, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom Uh, of God has come to you. Jesus is saying that he is on God's team, not on Satan's. That Jesus' power is the finger of God. He shows that God's kingdom has come. And then he says it in a way that we don't expect to hear from Jesus. Look with me at verse 21. 
This is such a surprising story. It almost doesn't seem uh, that it could be right. Verse 21. Picture a a strong man living in his castle. uh, Fully armed with his property under lock and key. Now imagine that a, a stronger man comes. Attacks him. Overpowers him. And takes away his armour and his property. And nearly every day on the news we hear of people who have been robbed. People who have been broken into. At first glance you don't expect Jesus to talk about himself as this stronger man. The one who comes and attacks someone's house and takes away their property. But Jesus says that that's what he has come to do. You see, the devil has the world in his power. The devil has us captive. He is the strong man. But Jesus is stronger. Jesus came to overpower the devil, to take away what he owed. Such a a, a strange picture, isn't it? You don't expect Jesus to say, I'm like a robber. I'm like a a bandit who comes and uh, attacks someone and and captures their house. But that's how Jesus pictures himself. The stronger man coming and taking by force. And then in that uh, strange passage in verses 24 to 26, uh, Jesus goes on to say that that moral reform or or, or self-effort isn't enough. To get rid of a demon, uh, whatever it is, by trying really hard isn't enough. If you don't then fill your life with Jesus. You see, just uh, clearing it and and sweeping it and and putting your life in order uh, isn't enough because otherwise the demon returns and brings others with it and that makes things worse. Only Jesus is strong enough to deal with the demons in our lives. The excuse denied Jesus' power. They reckoned that he was working for the devil. But Jesus says that he has come to bring deliverance. To bring the kingdom of God by being the stronger man who defeats the devil. And as he says this, a woman in the crowd thinks that this is great. And shouts a blessing on Jesus' mother. In verse 27, she shouts, blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breasts that nursed you. She's saying, wouldn't it be great to have a son like this? Wouldn't it be great to be your mother? But Jesus says that the blessing is rather for those who hear the word of God and obey it. It sits between these two objections perfectly. As Jesus teaches who he is. And why he came, will we listen and obey and be blessed? The first crowd, they reckoned he was working for the devil. 
But the second crowd, back in verse 16, uh, to test him, kept demanding from him a sign from heaven. They had already seen a miracle. They had already seen a a mute man uh, being able to speak because the demon was cast out of him. But that wasn't enough. They wanted something extraordinary. They demanded a sign of his power. Just like a magic trick. Do something to impress us and then we'll believe. Or so they thought. Perhaps we could be tempted to think the same. If God were to show up and do something extraordinary, then, then I would believe. (coughs) Excuse me. God did something extraordinary. Then I would follow. But Jesus says that his generation is an evil one for wanting signs. Instead he points them to God's word. To the sign for them. The sign of Jonah. Now we all know the story of Jonah. He ended up in the belly of a fish because God said... Go, and Jonah said, No. But after he came out of the fish, after he was spewed up on the beach with fish guts all over him, then he did obey God, as we heard today in our first reading. He spent three days in his deathly prison he had a resurrection of sorts as he came back to the land of the living and then proclaimed God's word to Nineveh that wicked city and as we heard they obeyed they repented they believed and yet this generation these people surrounding Jesus refuse To listen to him. He points them to two stories in the Old Testament. To show just how wicked they are. The queen of the south. Was a pagan queen who lived far away in Africa. Yet she travelled the whole way to Jerusalem. Because she heard of King Solomon's wisdom. The people around Jesus didn't even have to go anywhere. He was right there. And yet they refused to listen to him. In the same way, the the people of Nineveh repented at Jonah's message. But the people of Jesus' day wouldn't repent when he spoke to them. But there's a forward focus in these verses. You see it in verse uh, 31. Jesus says the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Or again in verse 32. The people of Nineveh will rise at the judgment. 
with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah. Jesus points forward to judgment day. When every person that will rise before the judgment throne. And these uh, pagans, the Queen of the South, the people of Nineveh, they responded to God's word when they had it. And yet Jesus says that something greater than Solomon is here. That something greater than Jonah is here. The stronger, something greater saviour is here in Jesus. And they will not listen. They deny his power with excuses about working for the devil. Or they demand his power in extraordinary miraculous signs. They're not satisfied with Jesus. Yet he has come. As the saviour. He came to do good. But they only see it as evil. He came as the light. But they only see darkness. And that's what Jesus says in those last verses. If your eye is healthy, at verse 34, your whole body is full of light. But if it is not healthy, your body is full of darkness. They look at the light himself. But they can only see darkness because that is what they are. And what about us? What about our eyesight? What is it we make of Jesus and what he came to do? Will we look at him and and say at the wrong sort of power or, or not enough power? As we come to his table this morning, let's rejoice in our stronger Something greater saviour. Who has defeated the devil. Has set us free. Because he is greater. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we praise you and thank you for the Lord Jesus. We praise you and thank you that he came to defeat the work of the devil. We thank you that he has come to rescue and deliver us. We pray that you would help us to listen to him. To obey your word. And to live for him. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.